Foundation Physiotherapy and Ballistic Sports presents Out of the Park with Barry Davis. Follow Ballistic on Twitter at Ballistic underscore sports. This week, we talked to Michael Saunders about some of the absolute best players who have ever played the game of baseball and how he was lucky enough to play with a couple of them. He's got a bad rap around the game. I know that much. Again, a guy that still returns my text, we talk, and he he is the most um, under, I think, underappreciated and most misunderstood superstar in the game. And you know, working on Out of the Park, I'm a pretty lucky guy. I've worked with some of the absolute best in the business too. And I've also worked with this guy. Here's Barry Davis. <laughs> you know, they've said a lot of really good things about me in the clubhouse. I'm a clubhouse they guy. Have. I'm a they glue have. guy is what they called me. I hear whenever you're in the room, everybody feels better about themselves. No, actually, they call me a, the glue guy because when I'd go into the clubhouse, they actually would like to glue me to the wall and then glue my lips shut. Oh, ouch, that's harsh. I know, I know. Even for, even for a Blue Jays locker room. This is true. Uh, so who uh, does Michael Saunders want to talk about? in this week's episode as he gets into real deep conversation about some of his former teammates. And let's face it, Tom, he's played with some really, really good ones, including uh, Jose Bautista, who we heard off the top of the show. We may as well reveal it now. We were having people try to guess who he was talking about, but that was who he was talking about, Joey Bats. But uh, yep, really great conversation with Michael Saunders this week. And once again, we invited a number of our OTP insiders who really had a great intimate environment to chat with michael saunders yeah and if you visit us at patreon.com slash out of the park you can become one of those otp insiders and you know what we've already got one in the can with rob Ducey, but i know we've got some pretty exciting guests lined up coming up people hop on aboard this train it's an amazing experience every week anybody listening to this you're about to hear a wonderful interview about saunders some stuff that we had no idea about and, and, you know, we get into we get into some crazy teammates that he's had, not just Joey Bats, but guys that are going to be for sure in the Hall of Fame. And you know what? This is every week on Out of the Park. Patreon.com slash Out of the Park, $3, $5 a month. Join us. It's a lot of fun. And we have a, not, a lot of new uh, listeners and viewers to Out of the Park because if you are listening, you can now watch us each and every week on our YouTube page. And that's uh, NSR Media, Tom, or is it Out of the Park? I can't remember. Out of the Park Podcast okay. is the best thing to search for on YouTube. You YouTube is, is lots of fun to, with searches, and we still haven't quite yes. fine-tuned it. But nice thing is, uh, all you have to do is hit, hit subscribe, and we've got a lot of new subscribers mm -hmm. to the YouTube page. Once you subscribe, that's great. Then you'll know when the new videos are coming each and every week. Okay, Tom, we will be hearing from Michael Saunders momentarily, but up next, the regular season has started. Uh, well, it hasn't gone all that well in certain areas for the Toronto Blue Jays. But I also want to talk about the fact they are going to be the only team in Major League Baseball that will not. I will explain next. There's Tom. I'm Barry. This is Out of the Park. Ladies and gentlemen, girls and boys, the first pitch with Barry Davis. And the first pitch is brought to you by our good friends at BallisticSports.com. Don Corby and company uh, putting together a really, really cool thing, Tom. You talk about it and I shall show our viewers what we're talking about again uh for those of you who are listening this is kind of like uh listening to a blue jays game on the radio right now 
Uh, you're you're going to miss some of this, but uh, hopefully, Tom, you'll paint the picture for them, okay? Absolutely. You know what? <laughs> I'll try and multitask here. I'm going to pull a buck. So, for those of you that are on YouTube, you're going to see this lovely little board game. But for those of you that aren't, that are on SoundCloud or on iTunes, um, Ballistic Sports is the first interactive board game that is meant to complement your sports watching experience. This board that my lovely assistant here is holding up for the camera, it's like a la Baseball Meets Monopoly. And you move yes. around the board by guessing what's going to happen next in the play. It's something we all do as we're watching sports anyways. But now you can dominate your friends while you watch the Blue Jays try to dominate the competition. <laughs> uh, are you a big Monopoly guy? No, I can't play it at my family. It's the one thing that raises my wife's temper. Wow. Yeah. Really? You've met her. Okay. She's like the nicest person in the world. Yeah. Unless she's playing Monopoly. Well, I'm going to suggest maybe some uh, some Zoom Monopoly with your lovely wife, Rob. Zoom we'll Monopoly. Try that sometime. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you mentioned competition. And when we did this conversation last week, we were all excited about the Blue Jays getting off to this great start. They took two or three from the Yankees. Uh, everything looked hunky-dory. Everyone was starting to plan the parade. And then the Texas Rangers happened. And then, uh, as we record this, uh, you know, the Anaheim Angels happened. It is early. I'm going to say it. It is early. Uh, so but there early. are a few concerns out there. Uh, defense, to me, Tom, is the number one concern right now if you're the Blue Jays. Yeah, you see, this is where we differ. I, I think it's really. Pitching. I think it's pitching. Yeah. The defense, the defense, what I take away, there is some slop. But we've got young players. We know there's going to be slop. Bichette, like, even the silly things, like Bichette last night, uh, a grounder in the hole, he fielded it. There was runners on first and second, and he went to first rather than attempted to make the play at third. Uh, the runner had been held up because, the you know, and, and that's something that an experienced shortstop's not going to mess up, right? Bichette mm -hmm. made the play at first base, but the runners made it to second and third. He could have could have got the lead runner. Um, he's had some drops. They all have. But they are young players, and it's so early in the season. They're building character right now. And I've also seen flashes of sheer brilliance up the middle from him and Semyon, from Bichette and Semyon. You know, there's a lot of potential here, and I'd rather see the sloppy fielding at the beginning than the pitching that just can't even come close to hacking it. Well, think about it this way when it comes to the pitching, Tom. They're missing Nate Pearson, right? Mm -hmm. And they are also – who's also out of the rotation? Robbie Ray was out of the rotation. Mm -hmm. He should be back very soon. But the problem is you're missing two-fifths of your rotation, two really good parts of your rotation. Ryu has been – Ryu, so he's been fine. Yeah, he he's right? been fantastic, yep. I mean, TJ Zoik is, is not ready for that position right now. I would have liked to have seen Ryan Barucki uh, maybe get a shot, but uh, or Anthony Kay, who's right now stretching out uh, mm -hmm. with the taxi squad, so I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up pitching for the Blue Jays at, at some point soon in their rotation. But, okay, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. See, I think I love Pearson. I love Pearson. I love Pearson as a three or a four guy in the rotation. He's still young. He doesn't even have even a half of a major league season under his belt. So as much of yeah. the, the ceiling that's there, I don't want to have to count on him as one of those linchpins in the rotation. I don't think it's fair to him. 
No, and that, then, you know, the ironic thing, and is, I don't know if it's ironic, but Alanis Morissette had a song called Ironic, and most <laughs> of the things in that song were not ironic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have Matt Shoemaker with the Minnesota Twins right now, off to a good start, and you got Tawan Walker pitching right now as well. Uh, yeah. Where the heck is he? But he had a good Mets. start, too. He's with the Mets. The Mets, yes. Yep. So these are two guys the Blue Jays could have potentially kept, mm-hmm. right? But they didn't. So, well, we'll see what happens. I mean, there's still a number of unsigned players out there, too. Really yeah. surprising. I was reading that on Saturday, a list of players who are not playing right now in the major leagues. And there's some good names out there still. Yeah. You know what? Twitter's be- like Blue Jays Twitter, I find, has become a much angrier place this year like and we're and we're just starting the season but like it's covid man it's a microcosm of covid everyone's in a crappy mood right now it is but so i just want to throw out there even though i'm i'm iffy on the starting pitching we've talked about this for months now and that that's their it could be part of their game plan like everybody's going with sort of a a patchwork starting rotation that kind of seems to be the cool way to do it now because even if you get that starting five, it's never going to be the five you end up with. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as, as shaky as the, the second and third series is, have started out, I've seen so much that I like from this team. My overall takeaway, you know, we're almost two weeks in, is still really overwhelmingly positive. I got a lot. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I've seen a lot of really cool stuff. Vladdy is just destroying and... And for the guys that are hitting those bumps in the road, I'd rather hit the, those character-building bumps right off the beginning of the season. It gives us a good script for a turnaround. <laughs> you mentioned Vladdy, and I mentioned defense, and we mentioned angry Twitter, and perfect example this week. You know, Vladdy had a couple of plays in Texas, I believe, where he was doing the long stretch, yep. and... I, I complimented him right here on this show with the fact that his defense was really good at first base. Mm-hmm. I tweeted that he's had a few bad throws, but he needs to work on his stretch, meaning that he needs to make sure that he can do the stretch while keeping his foot on the bag. Yep. Something that Joe Siddle echoed on the broadcast. Well, mm-hmm. I tweeted it, and I just got, well, not destroyed, but by the angry Twitter... Like, I'm too hard on him. How dare you say something so mean? And I'm thinking, I thought I was being pretty diplomatic about it, if you want the honest truth. Yeah, it just seems... And and again, I'm trying to weigh in, but you know me, I like to keep my social media positive. (laughs) And and it just seems that every tweet I'm watching, because I'm following these tweets, and there's some great positive forces out there that are really you know it's not about being positive there are bad things that happen in a season but it's that us or them mentality that i see in a lot of the media that like if you don't mm-hmm. agree with me what is wrong with you and yep. and even even saying something good about someone like like you know vladdy's developing oh well you know that that brings up something that irks someone and man we're going to be a much better world and a much better fandom if we can just ignore those people that will always point out the faults. That is what the mute button and the block buttons are for, Sir Thomas. <laughs> now, now, as we speak, the Blue Jays uh, were in a rain delay. I don't even know if they started this game, but they were in a rain delay in Dunedin. And I looked at the crowd 
the first game, the home opener, quote-unquote home opener. Mm -hmm. And there were a lot of Angels fans there, too. And I think about the amount of people that are there and the amount of fans that are Blue Jay fans there. You can honestly say, Tom, that the Toronto Blue Jays will be the only team in baseball this year that will, you know, assuming that they don't get to the Rogers Center, they're not going to have a home game this year. 162 road games. Because you can say, oh, yeah, there may be, you know, a sputtering of Blue Jay fans in there. So they allow, what, 2,500 people? And maybe there's, you know, 1,500, 2,000 Blue Jay fans there. They go on the road. Any road game, they're going to have at least 2,000 fans of their own there. So they're never going to know what that feels like to play in front of a packed Sky Dome, 50,000 fans there. All, tr- You know what I mean? Some of these players have never played a game there yet yep. because they didn't play last year there, right? So some guys are like in year two of their career, and they haven't played in their home ballpark yet. I've said this before on this program. I'm going to say it again. Buffalo is going to be an amazing home ballpark for the Blue Jays when they get there. In it will, look, nothing against Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Buffalo fans are going to do a great job. The ballpark's going to be amazing. But this is the Toronto Blue Jays. And their home ballpark is in Toronto in front of, you know, which could be crowds of 30, 40, 50,000 people. At, you know, they haven't had 50 in a while, but, you know, we can get close to that. Mm-hmm. And because of COVID, because of the restrictions that are out there right now, the Blue Jays are going to be playing in Buffalo or in Dunedin. They are not going to have a home game this year. Yes, it will be much better in Buffalo than it is in Dunedin from a fan's Mm -hmm. perspective. Absolutely. But you saw what the crowds have been like. Even the Tampa Bay Rays had a large crowd of of fans cheering them on that were cheering for them. See, that's what I think. Because the Blue Jays are playing in Florida, there are fans of every major league team in Florida. Well, every major league team that, that has spring training in Florida. The Angels don't, but there were still some fans. But when they play the Yankees, when they play, uh, you know, the Phillies, if they play the Phillies at all this year, it's going to be a crowd that is more Yankee fans than it will be Blue Jay fans. You wait and see when the Blue Jays play in Dunedin against the Yankees, who have their their fans over in Tampa. It's going to be packed as much as they can pack it. It's Major League Baseball can't even pack a team in Florida when they're from Florida. <laughs> no, but old joke. I I still think I think we I think that the city of Buffalo has an opportunity to make this a really feel good story, and I think that they will. And I think that the Blue Jays have an opportunity to make this a real feel good story. You know, it's not about things being perfect, but here's an opportunity for us to overcome some diversity right we've had some bumps right Mm -hmm. out of the gate and who knows maybe this whole first part of the season is going to be real bumpy and that move to buffalo in june will be just the thing that clicks the team and it's not going to be to toronto you know i am i'm still holding out hope tom i'm still holding out hope that we get to a point by you know july maybe august wouldn't that be nice if this team was in a pennant race and all of a sudden as you get to july and august they can come back home and play that'd be amazing yeah, if COVID's taught us anything, it's that anything can happen. So yeah, yeah. I, I don't hold out hope, and I wouldn't buy any lottery tickets for it. But, man, that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
up next, they called him Captain Canada, like kind of Steve Nash. And he got an opportunity to play for not one, but two of his favorite baseball teams. Former Blue Jay, former Mariner, former Philly. And there's a couple other teams scattered in there former as well. Former Canadian Michael Olympian, Saunders. right? Well, yes, that too. Michael Saunders <laughs> joins us next. There's Tom Forth. I'm Barry Davis. And this is Out of the Park. And now, In the Dugout with Barry Davis. Joining us on the line from the West Coast is Mr. Michael Saunders. So, Michael, you're still, uh, are you living in BC? Are you in Seattle? Where are you hanging your hat these days other than on top of your head? Uh, no, my hat's hung. My cleats are hung up in uh, just outside Denver. Wow. So, I've, yeah, I've been here since 2011. I love it. It's uh, um, so all of my family is West Coast, including my wife, uh, Jessica. We're all we're all West Coast, so it's an easy commute, uh, direct flights everywhere, which is great. And I love the outdoors, and it's got the Four Seasons, which I needed. Um, I love to fly fish, and that's that's kind of a uh, it, it basically is a mecca out here for that. So whenever I get an opportunity, I have my hobbies away from baseball, um, you know, away from my family, and I just love the outdoors and. Um, it was actually my wife that suggested it, so it worked out great. Is there a little part of you that misses Canada? And when you do, what is it that you miss the most? Well, me, of course, Tom. Come on. Other than Barry. Yes, other than Barry. <laughs> other than Barry. <laughs> um, yeah, no, of course. We were actually, uh, we were actually really considering. So I, I was born and raised in Victoria um, about a year ago, maybe even less than that. We were really considering moving my family up there. Um you know, Canada's always home for me, no matter what. And and when I got traded there from Mariner, it, it was like I was in my hometown, even though I wasn't. I was on the East Coast. Everyone talks about, um, you know, the Jays being Canada's team. And I think some people will disagree with that. But I agree that, you know, there's one nation and, and we all follow the Jays. And for me, it was like a dream come true and something that uh, um, I know growing up that there are a lot of diehard West Coast fans of the Jays. Um, so it's not just Toronto's team. And I can speak to that growing up on the West coast. And, um, you know, so it was a dream come true for me. And I just, man, there's nothing like home. There's nothing like Canada. You know, I'm not going to get into the political point of view. or anything <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. You, 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 you I, might I take just, on Honestly, I think Canada, I think Canada does it right. And at the end of the day, man, I think, uh, I think Canadians take care of each other. I think uh, we, we take care of our own. Um, we believe in helping people. And, um, you know, that's something that I cherish for the rest of my life. Michael, for, if someone grew up in New York, you basically are either a Yankees fan or a Mets fan. You can't be a fan of both. Growing up in B.C., were you able to be a Blue Jays fan and a Mariners fan, or did you have to pick as far as just you and your buddies growing up? Yeah, no, you could be, obviously you could be both. So like ge uh, geographically, Mariners were closer. Mariners were our hometown on the West Coast, right? You could drive through Vancouver two hours later, you had a Mariners game. But I think the biggest thing, obviously a big Blue Jays fan, Canada will always be a big Blue Jays fan, especially, you know, 92, 93. Um, I think what drove the West Coast Canadians to be big Mariners fans was Griffey. I think that was the biggest thing where... I mean, we bought his video game. You know, we we idolized him in backyard wiffle ball. And why not? People from all over the world, let alone when he's in your backyard, right? So 
I think, and it's, honestly, it's not just Griffey, but there was greats like Edgar, Jay Buhner, um, uh, Dan Randy? Wilson, Randy, Randy, and, and, you know, the list goes on, right? So I think being the West Coast Canadian in my era growing up, it was really the era of the Mariners that really drew you to that. Now, I don't know per se if that's the same. Um, I know the Mariners have, you know, they, they haven't made the playoffs in a long time. And speaking of me playing for them, you know, it, it's just been that way. I don't know if it's the same way growing up on the West Coast now as it was in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. Uh, but when I was growing up, man, it was Griffey that really drew you to be a huge Mariners fan. And, um, you know, the, the just the geographical, you know, where we were at, being able to drive over watch a game we can't drive to toronto and yeah. watch a game so <laughs> that's i think the biggest um um the biggest thing that drove west coast canadians to be mariners fans you know it's funny you mentioned ken griffey jr if i'm not mistaken you actually had the opportunity to play on a team with ken griffey jr for a year or two um what was that what was that like how was he as a teammate so i got to play with him in 09 and, and in 2010 um and that's a very common question that i get just you know from my buddies or from anyone that knows baseball and asks me about it but um i always say this there are very few guys that you can remember for what they did on the back of their baseball cards meaning their numbers their statistics the hall of fame all that stuff um griffey's obviously one of them but in my opinion he's a better teammate and person than he was player and i think if anybody knows what Griffey did on the field. I think that speaks a lot. So he's one of my favorite uh, teammates of all time. He took me under his wing uh, when I first got called up. When I first got called up, it was a day game and I got called up the night before I never slept. So I just drove right to the park at like 7am in the morning, whatever it was. And I thought I'd be the first one there. Sure enough, Griffey's like fully dressed in his locker, ready to go. He brings me over and he's like, hey, what wood are you swinging? And I was swinging some, like, you know, pro stock, generic, minor league wood. And he's like, no, 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 man. You're in the big leagues now. This is what you're going to swing. And took me under his wing and basically held my hand for the first <laughs> couple of months and walked me through what the big leagues were like. And um, I'll never forget it. You know, I'm lucky enough where I have his number on my phone and we still talk and text. And um, as big as he is, he still returns my text messages. So cool. Tell him that says anything. Tell him to come on the show. Yeah, yeah, right there. How much are you willing to pay? <laughs> <laughs> but what a great experience that was for you to play with, with Ken Griffey Jr. Now, you don't have to name names. You don't have to name names at all, unless you want to, of course. But was there a player that at, you were looking at forward, like when you became a teammate of a specific player, like, oh, my God, I'm so excited. I can't wait to get to know this guy. And he turned out to be a complete a-hole. Did that ever happen to you at any point in your career? Honestly, no. And I, I, I say that honestly, I'm not trying to hide anything right now. So, um, so I'll be honest with you, Barry. So when I got traded to Toronto, the guy I was interested in, in meeting and heard a lot about was Batista. And I think, so again, first and foremost, one of the greatest teammates I've ever had. Um, he's got a bad rap around the game. I know that much again, a guy that still returns my text. We talk and he, he is the most um, under, I think underappreciated and most misunderstood superstar in the game. 
obviously he's not playing anymore. Um, but my brief time with him in 15 and 16, most misunderstood baseball player. You know, um, you're not the only one who has said that. We've had a number what a of teammate, guys. Man. What a, honestly, what a teammate. He he might be the typical, and I, I describe this as him, he might be the typical you hate to play, uh, hate to play against him, but love to play with him. And I think love to play with him means more because you get to know the guy as an individual and what his heart truly is. And his heart is baseball. His heart is family. And uh, his heart is being a great teammate. I will say this. So I think to answer your question, I've never played with a guy that's a huge a-hole, but I think that was the guy going in before I knew who he was. And then I found out afterwards, I'm like, this guy is the best. And you know, here's the thing about Jose that I learned from my perspective, and, and you even witness this at times, you know, there will be times where Jose's in a specific zone or he might be in a, a mood and he doesn't want to be bothered and he would be, at a, you know, maybe not as friendly a, as you'd want to maybe some people in the media, but he would always acknowledge afterwards, right? You know, he'd always say, yeah, you know, I, I'll get you next time or whatever. Uh, when he threw a baseball at me, <laughs> he apologized, although he claims it was an accident. But uh, that's another story for another day. But yeah, I mean, he, he is. He's a he's a very understood, yeah. misunderstood he, guy. Now, you know what though? Like at the end of the day, like he I, he had yeah. I'm sure he had his moments in the media, but he always treated you guys with respect. Absolutely. Like he said he said he said, "Hey man, my bad. I got you later." Yeah. What people don't realize is they always say, "Oh, well, let me put myself in your shoes." They don't know. Yeah. They will never know what it feels like to be Jose Batista in Toronto, ever. You know so. And, and if he has a bad game and he's pissed off, it's because he wants to be better. Have you ever he strives to be, he strives for perfection. That, that guy strived to be a Hall of Famer. And what people don't realize is where he came from, how much he struggled when he first got there. And everyone, again, I know a lot of people will watch and, and hear me out and say, oh, you know, Jose Batista really struggling. Coming from where he came from, um, getting his first call up, his first action with, with Pittsburgh, the, the – adversity he he endured but not letting him i mean he got he got kicked in the teeth right he got bent down he, he was on one knee we said i gotta make a change i gotta do something um again in our profession it's not easy to make I mean, we have to make changes but as a baseball player facing adversity when you've never felt it before when you've been the all-star of your high school team the all-star of your college team or junior college team soared through the minor leagues all of a sudden your first adversity is when you get to the big leagues and realizing that you need to make a change. He went from a guy that was forgotten to he'll be on the Hall of Fame ballot, you know, in a couple of years. So, I mean, he's done a lot. He's proudful. One of the best teammates I've ever had. And, I mean, yeah, Barry, he's throwing a baseball at you, but I guarantee you he took your, <laughs> took your interview afterwards, right? Oh, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. And Barry's still here, so he must not have thrown it that hard. And we, hey, and strong. we saw him on the mound. You can throw him in the Exactly. <laughs> so I'm throwing out people in right field. You know, I, I, I love you bring up the, the, the Bautista story because I was, you know, really into it at, at, at the time that the whole Jays run and really followed his career very closely. And, you know, he did have a lot of adversity, not even just making it to the majors and being able to stay and find success. But then once he got there, uh, you know, I remember loud and clear the barking in the media about PEDs and, you know, it was a question hanging over everybody. And and so he did. He had a lot of hurdles. And I, I think it brings up a neat 
you know, sort of difference with the first player that we were talking about, Ken Griffey Jr., who kind of walked into the game anointed. And, you know, when he when he performed well, he probably didn't have to. But looking at, you know, two very different players coming from different places, but both finding that sustained, unbelievable level of success. As a teammate, are there similarities between, is there is there something inherent in a player that makes them be able to get through whatever they need to to perform like that? Yeah, well, I say the generic player, and I think Griffey is beyond the generic player. I think, um, I think Griffey. I don't want to say everything came easy. I don't. I will never say that because the work ethic and and the amount of of work he put in pre, post, during the game. You know, he was so blessed though. Like this was a one in a generational player. And again, I don't mean that as in like this guy just woke up and played baseball and had a big smile on his face the amount of work he put in you know away from the camera is surmountable um that being said a guy like griffey i mean ask a guy like griffey what his his experience of failure is i don't know if he's ever had it you know on the field Mm -hmm. i'm not Mm -hmm. speaking for personal life or anything like that I'm just saying on the field, his failure almost is like an 0 for 10, right? Like two games, <laughs> you know, the very special, special players, you know, and that, but that's what makes them special as a mindset that um, there's no such thing as a slump because they're so confident in themselves. There's a, a belief factor in the work they put in pregame uh, during the off season that they under just, they just understand that, okay, whatever it's a, uh, I'm on 0 for 10. I'm going to go get him tomorrow where a slump for a lot of guys is, you know, an 0 for 25 because it's a mindset, Um, you know, and then obviously Batista, it's like where he came from as we were speaking earlier from Pittsburgh. And you can see, I think Griffey had the same swing his entire career, right? Mm -hmm. Pretty sure. Then there's Batista. He says, this ain't working for me. I got to make a change. Toronto believed in him, brought him over. I mean, and 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 for him to do that and make a change mid, you know, career in the major leagues, you can see it. Go look at his go look at his mechanics. Completely different. Mm-hmm. But he said, "I need to make a change." And for an elite athlete to, I mean, it's not necessarily admitting defeat, but but understanding that what's working is not working. So I need to make a change. I think that's the biggest thing is an inner self-value that you need to change, Um, whether it's mechanical, mental, whatever it may be. So I think there's a big difference. Uh, Obviously, there's, you know, there's a big difference on the back of the baseball card. But again, with no disrespect, Jose is going to be on the on the Hall of Hall of Fame ballot. Um, But I think there was numerous different journeys. But what I see and the guys that do that is the work behind the scenes is the you're able to be humble to the point where if you know it's not working can't get your pride in the way yeah and understand that the game's ever evolving and you need to evolve with it um and and that's the biggest thing and and for a guy that's hit almost four what is he at 400 homers I would say he's pretty damn close. Give or, give or take, right? Yeah. Like, he's he, he's an all-time great. 
his jersey is going to be retired in the, in the, I call it the sky dome. I'll forever call it the sky dome, not the rubs. <laughs> You're not alone. I mean, his jersey Thank will you. be there. I know, right? Growing up. Yeah. His jersey yep. will be there, but people don't understand the journey that he, that, why he got there in the first place. By the way, Michael, if you look behind me, that's not a necessarily a tribute to Jose. Is Batista. that Raj? Is that Rajay? No, no, that's is my. That a Rajay, <laughs> is that a Rajay jer- it's jersey? My, it's my fantasy camp jersey, man. It's my fantasy camp jersey. Uh, we, yeah, we could get into my baseball skills, but that wouldn't be fun. Um, we're going to play a little game that we always do with our guests now where uh, I'm going to show you some photos, and uh, you're going to tell me what you remember about when that particular photo was taken. So uh, we're going to begin, and i got to find my little screen here. I'm still learning this. On the spot. Okay, okay. Here, what do you remember? <laughs> what do you remember about so, this? So what, what's the question, Mary? What, what do I remember? What do you remember about the moment this photo was taken? My green shoes. Yeah, what's the deal with the green <laughs> shoes? You're wearing green all, shoes, all, a yellow hey, all, undershirt, an orange belt. How many freaking? I'm all over the place, man. I just wore what they gave me. You no know, all-star game. That's your memory? That's yeah, your memory? All-star game. Yeah. Tell me about that. I was only there at Barry. I was only there once. Let me enjoy it. <laughs> Is that what you're doing right now? You're just soaking it in? But what, Dude, what? I can't soak it in anymore. How amazing was that, though, that you go there and – You've got these four guys with you. And, like, you can't even describe the year that what must have been. I mean, because you could have had four or five others there as well that same year. A hundred percent. And the biggest thing for me is, like, God, I still look back and I feel like it was an incomplete year. I really do. Um, pitching got the best of us in the playoffs. But, man, what a team. What a team we had, honestly. A lot of fun and um, – the best part about 16 was we were all brothers. And I, I, I really mean that where it didn't matter if it was your first year, it was a very veteran team. It didn't matter if it was your first year or you're going on 10 years. Uh, the best part about it was um, we were family and nobody was safe. Nobody was safe as in like everybody called each other out jokingly, but like that, I think that's what made us great. And what people don't realize when you get a locker room with, Cy Youngs, MVPs, Silver Sluggers, All-Stars. When you get that acc- a bunch of those accolades, what people don't realize is it usually segregates a locker room, whereas the leaders in our locker room, i.e. the Jose's and everybody else, like we came together. And the best part about it, you know, from the Jose's to the Devin Travis's, the rookies, like nobody was safe. We all gave each other crap. But we had fun doing it, and we all had a laugh after it. Um, we went out there, we we performed, and we went every single day like we were going to war. And then after that, we'd have beers afterwards, and we'd hang around, and we'd, you know, we'd be in the clubhouse. We'd talk baseball, which I think is a lost art. Um, a lot of guys just kind of turn their backs and get on Instagram and Twitter and or Twitter or whatever the heck you call yeah, it. Yeah, you, you don't do that stuff. And uh, – what's lost is like talking the game and, 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 and we just went to war for three hours. We're all drenched in sweat, you know, Oh, for four or four for four win or loss. Like we, we came together as a family and I honestly think that's what made us great. And man, I, I, we really had a chance. We really had a chance at a world series. And I, uh, I look back on that as, and that was the team that could have done it really. Not just because I was there, but I, I truly believe that with the camaraderie and the friendship and the family 
you know, feeling of it all. I feel like we could have done it. And uh, we just ran into some, uh, some tough pitching with, with Cleveland at the time. So, yeah, we sent the drones after them, but it just, you know, it wasn't enough that year. <laughs> you know, is there something is there something to be said on a team like that? And 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 it is really, you know, having that perfect storm of of the the leaders that are stepping up. Uh but are there the glue guys, the 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 occasional players? How big a part do they play in in creating that atmosphere as well? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm a true believer of this. Everybody has a couple all-stars on their team whether they make the all-star game or not, like the studs, right? Everyone has a couple studs on the team. Um, the guys that always win the World Series, they're never the best team on paper. I mean, exception, maybe the Dodgers, you know, the last year or whatever. But normally, if you look throughout history, the best team on paper never wins the World Series. It's because, in my opinion, everyone has the three, four, five hitters. Everyone has the one, two pitchers. It's like, the guys that step up and have career years, the guys that aren't supposed to have the career years or, you know, the journeymen or, or the quote unquote role players. Those are the guys that push your team over the top, in my opinion, and allow you to win those big games. The ones that aren't pitched around, but need to climb up in the clutch, you know, the superstars, they get pitched around in the, in the, in the deciding moment of the game or, whatever may be right so it's the mm -hmm. other guys that make that spectacular defensive play that one play or the guys that don't get pitched around that make that big hit i think over the course of the year those are the guys that really push your team over the edge and into the world series and ultimately win the whole thing um again i can't remember since the dodgers recently as the best team on paper ever won the world series all right let's so go. i think those, i think those guys have a massive and i i hate to say those guys because I've been that guy my entire career mm -hmm. and I don't mean to stereotype or, or not give those guys enough recognition. I'm trying to give quote unquote, those guys yeah, more exactly. recognition because people don't understand what they bring to a team. Michael, speaking of recognition, this next photo, it's a little bit small, but uh, if you can see it, it was the whole Sin Saunders to uh, the all-star game and you've got the Canada flag and all that stuff. And, you know, the year before, uh, actor Stephen Amell, who was the Arrow, uh, really made a, a social media push to get Josh Donaldson in. And he did the same thing. And I remember telling you beforehand, I said, Michael, this dude's got over a million followers on social media. He's going to get you votes. And I, I don't know how much of what Stephen Amell did helped, but I'm sure it, it didn't hurt. Sorry, Barry, I, I lost it. Say that one more time. I said what Stephen Amell did with his social media to help, you know, get you votes for that. Uh, you know, we don't know for sure if that was the deciding factor, but it sure didn't hurt. No, absolutely. I, so I actually met him when we went to Seattle. Yeah. So we got, we got Stephen on the, on the field there. And um, I obviously had to go thank him at that point. I, I was an all-star um, and yeah, of course, having someone of that magnitude back, uh, like backing you up in your corner is, is a huge deal. And, um, you know, I know that at the end of the day, I, I'll never forget it. So the all-star team got voted. Um, I'll be honest with you. I was disappointed that I wasn't voted in at, at the time. And, um, I thought I had an, you know, an actual chance. Um, and you know, some guys are 10, 15 year all-stars. This would have been my first appearance, but 
at this point, this was my my chance, kind of, you know, so to speak. And, you know, I was watching, I'm not going to lie, I was watching the TVs, I was watching sort of the media and all this stuff. I was telling my wife, I, was, I think I got a chance this year, like I really do. And uh, <laughs> and so it came and went, and um, I'm not going to lie, I was really disappointed. And, uh, but I, you know, I said it wasn't going to affect my play on the field. It's about the guys, about the team. We got something bigger here. We're trying to vie for a playoff, you know, uh, all this stuff. And, and then all of a sudden, again, I'm, I'm all name drop. So Jay, Jay Stenhouse, not everybody knows him, but he's the PR guy for the Blue Jays. Was. I don't know what he's doing now, yeah. but he was, was. Yeah. Really? Yeah. God. Okay. That's like a discussion for another time, unfortunately. Yeah. It, so it, by the what, way, the, the, the new PR guy for the Blue Jays, is former Toronto star writer Richard Griffin. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Who? who um, him so, anyways, <laughs> Jake. Jake. Uh, obviously, a discussion for another time. Yeah. But Jay came and got me. He's like, "Hey, Gibby wants to see you." I'm like, "Okay, you know." So, am I moving up in the lineup? What am I doing? You know, this kind of thing. He's gonna tell me what I'm gonna where I'm gonna be hitting. So I go in there, you know, closes the door, and you know, basically says, "Hey, listen, you know, you're on the final ballot." And I'm like, and at the time I was sort of like, why wasn't I voted in the first place? (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, But, uh, you know, my pride, obviously my pride, my ego, but uh, he's like, Hey, listen, you know, for people in the past, Toronto usually does really well. Like Toronto takes care of their own here. Um, All the past guys that were a blue Jay that are on whatever they, they usually get voted in because they do a huge, uh, media thing a huge marketing thing and and let's face it man like you got all Canada I'm like okay you know that's cool um I guess we'll see and then as I saw momentum I started realizing like there's an actual chance here and um and then somebody came up to me and he's like hey man I uh Stephen Amell's got your back I'm like no shit the guy from Arrow they're like yeah Stephen Amell, I'm like, okay, that's cool. You know, please, if 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 I can ever say hi to him, that'd be great. You know, this kind of thing, and and uh, so he pushed it hard, and I know he did. Um, here's something you don't. Fan, here's something you don't know big, about all that. Big Jay, big Jays fan. Yeah, big, big. You know, mm-hmm. obviously, big. Just in general, like Canada, he takes care. Again, back to our first question, man. Like Canadians <laughs> take care of their own, don't we? Right. So, uh, so I met him on the field and, and, and this is after I got voted in and long story short, it's like without his help, I don't know, but, um, super cool guy, man. Like he was on, he was on the field for BP when we were at the Mariners and, um, again, super cool. Great to get, uh, say hi and get to know him a little bit. And, um, big Jays fan, like really big Jays fan. So, so this is, this is how I got to know Steven. And by the way, um, I, you didn't know this, but, I was the one who arranged that whole meeting with you and him. Were you his stunt double? I yeah, right. No, but um, no. The year before, uh, I didn't know him. I hadn't met him yet, but he was at a, a Jays game in New York at City Field, and I got a random message on Twitter from him saying, "Hey, I want to get Josh into the All Star game. Come talk to me." And I'm like, "Where?" He goes, "I'm five rows behind you." So I went up, and he told me what he was planning to do. And then the next year, he wrote to me and he said, you know, JD is going to be in no problem, but I want to get Michael in. So I talked to Jay and arranged for you guys to meet at the game. But I didn't get any credit for it. 
So I'm getting. Oh. I'm asking for my credit now. And he didn't get to play in the All Star game either. Well, who Stephen Amell? Heaven forbid. Yeah, heaven forbid, man. Barry, what five, six years later? Yes. Well, you know, it, you know. Give, your, <laughs> hey, give yourself a tap on the back, Barry. All right. There you go. One more picture for you before we bring in uh, our insiders. Um, you remember this? That's a great ass. Well, yeah, I guess. What you... Oh, okay. <laughs> Do you remember this? I, I, what am I looking at, bro? I'm looking at a number and then a blank. You can't see this picture? There's. The... Oh, I know what you're looking at. Okay. There's a picture of you mm-hmm. rounding the bases, and then next to it is a picture of baseball hats on the field. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you now. I got you. So? What happened that night? Hey, pull up your interview, man. That's exactly what I was feeling. (laughs) (laughs) But how cool. I mean, you were, I'd forgotten that you had the the big home run game where the fans are throwing the hats on the field. I remember they did that for Edwin, I think, the year before. He hit three home runs at Rogers, uh, the Sky Dome. And all the fans. I know JD, the hats on the I know JD did it at uh, Sky. I love how you're calling it a Sky Dome. Yeah, nice. for you, man. Um, I know JD <laughs> did it at Sky Dome too. Um, yeah, honestly, like, I won't lie. I wish I could have done it at Sky Dome. Yeah, um, I really do. But uh, I mean, doing that anywhere is pretty special. But no, like, honestly, and and I, I mean, you can go back and look at our interview, and it was genuine. I playing against a division rival and we were both vying for that last spot. Like it was more so a big win. Now that it's all said and done and I can look back on it, it was a big individual moment for me. Um, you know, obviously everyone wants to have a good game and I'd be lying if I said I wasn't happy. You know, I think it was three homers, eight RBIs. And I know I just, I, I, I just missed my fourth, my first at bat. I think I popped up yeah. like right to the warning track and left. And <laughs> now I look back on that like it could have been my fourth, but at the time it was more so whatever. It was just a a, a long, you know, F7. Um, but, yeah, that's something, like, honestly, I individually I can tell my kids one day and they can watch and that'd be cool. But in the moment, in the heat of the moment, um, it, it was genuine when I told you, like, it's a bigger win than anything because we were going against the Orioles, it, you know, and we ended up facing each other, I think, in the wild card. So it was a big win, more what, so than anything. Was was that just a ballpark you, know? you loved hitting out of, especially for a left-handed hitter? All my hitter? career. Yeah. All my career. All my career, yeah. So there's certain ball, and I think I can speak on behalf of everybody or every player, where there's certain ballparks where you're like, you're just comfortable, and it just is what it is. Um even before Toronto, I would fly into Baltimore from Seattle and I'd be like, I'm good for at least three homers this series and, <laughs> you know, 10 RBIs and don't matter. Like I'm, I'm Gucci. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> uh, it was, it was just a comfort. The ball came in like a beach, uh, a beach ball to me. Um, but the same wasn't said when they came to visit us in Seattle. So I think it was definitely a ballpark thing. Um, could have been, I don't know, could have been a pitcher. Th- I, I have no idea, but there was a comfort zone when I landed to the, even to, and again, I don't know if anyone understands what I'm talking about, but landing even to the bus ride to the hotel, sleeping in that hotel where I knew I was going to gonna be, to waking up, drinking my coffee, knowing I was like, dude, I'm good for at least three hits today. It just, and everyone's like, well, why don't you feel like that everywhere? 
you know, why don't you tell yourself that everywhere? It's just not the case. There's a comfort zone. And even for anybody, it doesn't matter if you're playing professional sports, there's a comfort level where you just, you feel good. Uh, Baltimore and Camden Yards is one of those places for me. All right, Michael, we're going to uh, invite our insiders in. They're going to join us and uh, ask some questions. And I think you you probably re- will recognize some of them because uh, you've probably met some of them along your way in Toronto, uh, starting with these two wonderful folks. This is our first married couple. Uh, John and Sue are going to join us. And uh, John and Sue, say hello to Michael. Hi, Michael. How are you? Hi, Michael. I'm good. John, Sue, how are you guys? Fine. We missed you at the, um, the, of course, there was no baseball Canada for the past couple of years, and that's where we sort of I caught know. up with I, you. Remember? I'm very I'm very hopeful I'll see you next year. Oh, I oh, hope God. Can, Do I remember? I see you. I saw you every year for like the last three, 13 years. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the, big, I'm a- the biggest baseball fans of all time. How can I you forget Sue, especially after I a couple know, of, I love these guys. After a couple of glasses of Prosecco, right? <laughs> right? Exactly. With that open bar. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Do either of you guys have a question for Michael? Go ahead. Oh, Michael, I was just wondering how you got on with John Gibbons. Hopefully better than our last guest. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, Jason Fraser did not get along with Gibby at all, and he made it very clear. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I love Gibby. Oh, good. I love Gibby. I thought, I thought. I mean, I've never played for more of a player's manager than Gibby. Um, I, know he, I know he said it, and he didn't want to go through a rebuild. Um, this was a couple of years ago, I believe. I think Gibby's a, a really, really good manager for an older team because I think he just gets the game. I think he understands the players. He lets us play. Honestly, when things need to be said, and you you could I you can go and look it up. Um, he's so relaxed. But there was a moment in New York when Donaldson broke a bat in the dugout, mm-hmm. and he was not scared to call out the best player on the team, the all-star, the face of the franchise at the time, the MVP. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. why I have a lot of respect for him because a lot of people would let that pass. Um, but I think in order to be the, you know, the captain of the ship, you have to be willing to call it anybody. Um, and he, he was able to do that. And at the same time, he was able to let us be ourselves. And right. um, I never had any problems with Gibby other than he had pinched hit uh, for me against lefties. <laughs> thank you michael but I, I i love gibby he's a fantastic person fantastic manager good john did you have something yeah uh michael i when i was looking at your career path through the minors there were a number of teams you played for i don't know how many and count them but two questions with that did you keep a jersey from every team and secondly who was the player in the minors that you thought was really special? Okay, so the only jersey I ever kept was it was a breast cancer awareness jersey um, for my double A team in West Tennessee. Um, and for people to, who don't know, I lost my mom to breast cancer. Um, so that was the one, and she was still around. It was in 2008. She passed away in 2011. So that was the one I kept. And the reason why I didn't keep every one was the special jerseys were, you know, fans could bid on them. 
Uh, oh, and yeah. the player would sign them, and it was a deal to, you know, get some money for the organization or whatever. And I told West Tennessee, the Diamond Jacks at the time, West Tennessee, I said, I don't care. I don't give a crap of what they bid. I will outbid them. I want my jersey. It's going to go to my mom. And nice. so that's the only jersey I ever took. Otherwise, I gave them all away. Um, and the one that I, to answer your second part of your question, Adam Jones was the oh. guy that I said, holy, this, this guy could be special. And he obviously, he went on and did what he did. And he was part of the Eric Bedard trade from Baltimore to, to, uh, to Seattle. But he was a year in front of me. But I always followed him. We played the same position. He took me under his wing. We're good friends to this day. Um, but he was the guy that I thought could be really special. Awesome. John, yeah. Sue, thank you very much for your questions. So, Mike. Thanks, John. Thanks, Sue. Uh, I hope to see you again soon. I hope well. so. For sure. <laughs> so that's great, Michael. When, when you give me the bill for the Jose Bautista appearance on the show, then we can also uh, maybe get Adam Jones on as well. And we can relive all those great Baltimore-Toronto battles, right? Yeah. It's going to be pricey. <laughs> it's going to be pricey. Yeah. Hey, hey they ain't playing anymore. They want that paycheck. It's going to be pricey. Yeah. Hey, if you ever want, I can I can uh, take you out and uh, get you a, a free suit if you want. Well, that's another, okay. that's another story for another day. You got a bunch of sponsors, huh? <laughs> yeah. No. Okay. Do you remember, do you remember Devin <laughs> Travis <laughs> and the whole suit, suit gate? Oh, yeah. No, I remember. <laughs> Speaking of. Speaking of Devin, I don't know if you know this. He recently he's, signed on with Atlanta. Oh, whoa. Hang on. That's why he's so busy. When did you talk to Devin? Well, no, 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 no. As a coach. Oh, see, I know he was. We had him scheduled to come on the show, and yeah. there were a bunch of things like, you know, I've been so busy. I've got this. I got that going on. So in the minor league organization or with the big team? Yeah, well, I, okay. If you're having him on, he can tell you himself. Damn. I don't I don't want to burst any bubbles or throw anybody on the bus. And no. we had and we he, had Alex on a couple a, of weeks ago. He's a part of yeah, so he's a part of the Atlanta Braves now. Good for him. That is amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. Um and maybe he he'll be thrilled that you let the cat out of the bag on that one. <laughs> but the good news is this isn't airing for two he's weeks. He's so nice that he I, I'm not even scared. He's so nice. Yeah, I thought he, won't, he won't give me any <laughs> any grief. So I thought you were going to tell me he, about him being engaged, which we already know. But this is two I, weeks well, in a row we've had a guest break news Wait, on Devin. What? what? He's engaged? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Two complete like game. Yeah, I had no idea. There you go. Yeah. So see, last week Dalton Pompey broke the news about the engagement. Now you break the news about him coaching. So I think Pomps next... engaged, huh? Yeah. No, Devin's engaged. Pompey told us that. Oh, Devin's well, you said, oh, so Pompey. Okay. I got yes. I got yes. All right. Uh, Fiona, uh, time to say hello to Michael Saunders and uh, fire away for your question. I think we got to unmute you here. Uh, Technology, Michael. There we go. Fiona, say hello to Michael. Hi, Michael. Nice to meet you. Hey, Fiona. Pleasure to meet you, too. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. So you got to play for Toronto and you got to play for Seattle, but how does that compare to playing for Team Canada? See, I told you they asked better questions than me. They, well, yeah. I mean, weird, of course. Um, so I've, sa I've said this all my life, Fiona, that um, there's nothing like putting your country on the front of your uh, front of your jersey. Um, the amount of pride, and so I again, I don't mean that as in, like, I'm not proud to play for Toronto or play for Seattle. I'm not proud to play for my family or myself. But when you put on Canada's jersey, there's something different. There, there really is, and. Um, you know what? It's 
it's no longer like if you go over four over five but you win the game it just does not matter like it's what matters is your country moving forward and i've never been more proud and to represent my country whether it's the wbc whether it's you know the world cup or qualifiers or whatever it may be um playoffs with with toronto uh just a regular season game in the big leagues there's no um, moment that I had more of a rush than playing international baseball. And that includes the playoffs with, with Toronto in 2007, uh, sorry, 16. Um, but um, I've never been more proud than to wear the Canadian Jersey. Awesome. Fiona. Great question. Again, everybody asks better questions than, uh, than I do. Uh, we're going to bring in our, our youngest member here today. And uh, that's Daniel who uh, has been uh, – are you a season ticket holder fan, right, Daniel? Uh, a partner. Oh, well, there you go. So he's yeah. been to a million Look at games that background. Too. I know. Yeah, so I was uh, actually like – I helped, you know, I helped you get into the, the All-Star game, so you can thank me hey. for that. My guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, how are you? I'm great, Daniel. How are you All doing, right. man? I'm good. Thank you for asking. So I was wondering – um. What was your favorite thing to do when you uh, lived in, in uh, like, uh, when you were with Toronto? Like, what was your favorite thing to do in Toronto? So, honestly, man, like, uh, so living in Toronto, concrete jungle, it's not New York, but it's, mm-hmm. you know, I, what I love most, honestly, I live next to a park that was right on the, the river right there, and I loved taking my kids to the park and kicking a soccer ball around. Oh, that's nice. That was my favorite thing to do, and then... Um, so they weren't there because my kids went back in school. So they weren't there for the last, I want to say, a month and a half, two months of the season. After my kids left, but obviously when my family was there, that was my favorite thing. After my kids left, my favorite thing was to go out and eat because I think the food in Toronto is phenomenal. Oh, I agree, yeah. Definitely. I think, like, with the ethnicities, with everything, I'm a big, like, Indian sushi just all sorts of ethnicity. I love it. And yeah, it's very diverse. I'm a, I'm a foodie. I'm a mm-hmm. foodie. Oh, same. Yeah. So, I love eating. Oh, my God, dude. I love eating. Um, <laughs> so that was my favorite thing was just trying new food whenever I was downtown. And even, I ain't going to lie, even at like 2 a.m., the hot dog vendors. <laughs> dude, street food. I oh, love street meat. Is so good. like everything. It's so funny you mentioned that because I remember being in Seattle uh, for a Blue Jays series and Daniel, did you and your dad go to Seattle? Did I was it you guys I saw in Seattle? No, I don't think okay. so. Okay, I saw some fan in Seattle, and they mentioned some pizza place in Seattle. And I think you'd may have mentioned it too, Michael. And it was like amazing, amazing, amazing in Seattle. So, I mean, really good food there. But what is your go-to food? What is your desert island? I can only eat this meal. Your your last meal. You're about to be put up on death row meal. I ain't gonna lie. Whatever I cook. So, oh. I ain't gonna wow. lie, man. I, like, I'll, I'll you think, give myself one of these. You think you're a better cook than Travis Snyder? We'll have to yes. get hit you guys on together and ha- uh, do, a, yeah. do a live cook off. <laughs> That'd be fun. I'll take it. Yeah. Hey, I don't know if I'm better, but I can hold my own. That'd be good. Well, Tom, Tom, um, Tom has managed a number of restaurants over his life, so could he could be the if judge. I could one, if I could eat one food for the rest of my life, it's sushi. Yeah, but you don't cook sushi, do you? I, I make my own sushi. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Tom, what would you like to see Michael cook? Like to really get a feel, because you've been in kitchens for many years, so you know. 
Well, if it works, yeah. If it works for Chef, if it works for Chef Ramsay, we got to go with the beef Wellington, right? I've never had. Or, beef or maybe. Yo, hey, get, get get me on with with Chef Ramsay. Get me on with with Chef Ramsay. Oh, gotta... Again, I think you're gonna have to pay. Yeah. He can yell at me and, and call me a mother effort. <laughs> you know what's fu- <laughs> the first time I ever had seen somebody in an episode of Hell's Kitchen that I knew, and that was uh, Jerome Williams, former of the Raptors, JYD. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were yeah. they're doing this season in Vegas, and he lives in Vegas, and all of a sudden there he is. So I'm watching the I show. I would love, I would love to cook a steak for Chef Ramsay. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. But you got to be, you got to be perfect. Like it's got to be I'm absolutely perfect. Man. Very, I'm confident, man. All right. <laughs> Do you have a smoker? Are you a smoker guy? Uh, I, yeah, I'm getting into it. Yeah, I'm getting into it. Yeah, because yeah, yeah I, could, I could get you the uh, Bass Pro deal still through my wife. Okay. Yeah. All right. Give me that code. There we go. Give me that code. Splash (laughs) Davis. All right. Daniel, thanks so much. And we've got one more. And uh, this is actually Daniel's Daniel's father, Lauren. So this is our first. We got a husband and wife, and we've got a a father and son. So, uh, and Lauren rocking a decent background, too. I mean, God, you guys are really up to your game. Hey, Michael. How you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? Great, great, thanks. I'm just going to piggyback sort of off Fiona's question. I just want to know what the experience like was going to Beijing and being in the Olympics. Um, yeah, what, honestly, I mean, it was once in a lifetime, but it sounds like they're bringing baseball back, which is great. Oh, wow. Um, I have some friends that are getting ready to represent Canada in the qualifier in June. So um, so the Olympics, it's like every athlete's dream, right, growing up and it's something that no one can ever take away. It's like your education in school. No one can ever take that away from you. You know, no one can ever take the Olympics away from you. And once an Olympian, always an Olympian, despite it was probably from an overweight, like 22 year old, whatever. <laughs> All these other athletes are like, I've been training for four years for this. Um, but uh, no, super special. And, and, you know, like my, I, uh, like being with Usain Bolt. Uh, Michael Phelps and seeing those guys and we were all together and I considered us all one, all all athletes, you know, and um, despite (laughs) again, baseball, you know, we do this for a living every day. We're we're, honestly, we're up drinking and partying and knowing we got a game the next day (laughs) where these guys are, I've trained four years for this one event for 10 seconds and obviously judging us, but um, super, special experience and i can't wait for my kids to get a little bit older where i can tell them and they can understand what that means um that's my biggest thing it's just you know pass it on down to my kids and again once an olympian always an olympian and any chance whether it's olympics or not any chance i ever had to represent canada was really special for me really special more so than any regular season game in my entire big league career um, right up there with the playoffs, representing Toronto. Like it was a super special experience for me. I always loved when Team Canada, the junior team, or even the, the regular team, would play against the Blue Jays in spring training. I always thought that was a a great one. And I remember yeah. that the Pompey brothers ended up playing against each other uh, in one game. Speaking of Florida, before before we wrap up, have you seen or heard about the new facility? in Dunedin for the Blue Jays? Like, this is like this state-of-the-art, brand-new, no holes in the outfield. They made about sure. Time. Yeah, they... yeah, about time. <laughs> was that was that one of the worst 
facilities at the time that you've ever had to play on? I mean, you weren't the only guy. I mean, I remember asking Vernon yeah, Wells about care. that hole. You know, I'll say it. Yes, it's awful. <laughs> it was awful. Hey, teams would not go to play the Blue Jays because how the uh, how bad the facilities were. Wow, awful. So it's I and I know Mark and 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 ben, uh, all those guys. I I know that they're working to try to get it better. Um, and it, and rightfully so. Honestly, facilities were garbage. No professional athlete should have ever played on those fields. Wow. And he, you know what? <laughs> I saw it time and time again. Although I played quite well. Uh, but, in, you know, in... Barry, that being said, Mark understands. Yeah. Shapiro. Yeah. For everybody who's listening, Mark Shapiro, I know Ooh. he understands. And they're working to get it better. So it's not their fault. But no, in my opinion, no professional baseball player athlete or anything should ever have to play on those fields no high school athlete should ever play on wow. those fields when mark came in and ross came in i mean yeah. as a player you had to know what the fans were saying and the way the fans were reacting as players did it were you guys a little hesitant at first to be like oh man i, I hope this guy's okay i hope this guy's not going to completely destroy this franchise or, or do you guys look at it at, on a completely different level well he tried to trade me immediately oh yeah that's that right <laughs> <laughs> that's right and it didn't it didn't go through or something right um no those guys i mean look what they did with cleveland like yeah they're and, around, no they, no okay these guys need to be trusted to the point where they understand what they're doing they've done it in cleveland it's it was a turnover. Everyone knows it. Cleveland was a playoff team for, a, you know, a handful of years. Look, I mean, look at where the Blue Jays are right now. Mm -hmm. Exciting. Oh, yeah. They're exciting. They're exciting, man. And and in my don't let people fool you. The Blue Jays, I think, have the most money in baseball. Blue Jays, I think, have the most money in baseball. Well, Rogers does. Now that they're not paying my salary. Who owns the Blue Jays? Rogers. There you go. Yeah. It's pretty hard times though. I mean Rogers does not have to pay money to anybody for no. TV rights. Every other team has to pay their local whatever for TV. Rogers owns the Blue Jays. They own the TV rights. They own everything. Rogers has money. The Blue Jays have money. Tom, you want right, to say so something? They, I was they, gonna say, I, and they went, look at what they did. They went down and got George Springer. Yep, good for them, dude. That hey, George Springer does not come around every other offseason. That was a huge sign for them. Mixed in with their young talent, watch out for the Blue Jays. They're gonna be good. Tom, go. Oh yeah, no, okay. Um, I, I was I was curious, you know, talking about the money. Um, it's something we've been bringing up uh, quite frequently here on the show. Uh, Blue Jays have made some pretty harsh cost-cutting type decisions with their broadcasting, uh, specifically their spring training. Uh, f basically, they're not really broadcasting at all. Maybe a game a week we get coverage on, and then they'll be the first major league team ever to actually not be running a radio broadcast during the season this year. And I, I was curious if you had heard about that, if you heard about that decision and cause you touching on again, the money that they have, the fact that they own the rights and they're not paying for this. I was curious if you'd heard about it and if you had what you thought about it. 
I haven't. I, honestly, I haven't heard about that. I haven't heard that they cut the, the broadcast rights. Um, baseball deserves to be, especially, I mean, everyone's goal is to promote the game. You know, baseball deserves to be on TV and on the radio. Mm-hmm. And two separate broadcasts, two totally different types of play-by-play. Um, yeah, absolutely. Especially, especially a team that you have an entire country. You don't have... Like hockey, you don't have four or five teams in one country. You have one team. The yep. team deserves, or the country deserves to hear about your team. You know, um, whether it's, again, driving to work with the radio or you're at home kicking your feet up watching TV. I, I think that the Blue Jays deserve to be broadcasted. Well as said. As they should, like, especially if anything, especially this year. I mean, how exciting are the Blue Jays this year? Yeah, and unfortunately, we don't get to see it. If the game's on TV, we get the visiting team's broadcast, or we have just a, what they're doing is on the internet, when they play in Dunedin once in a while, they'll have this field camera with no sound. No offense, I don't care about Dunedin. (laughs) Who cares about spring training? I want to watch regular season games. Well, yeah, but for for fans, this is their first chance to see. You want to watch regular season games, right? Uh, I think a lot of fans want to see baseball just see baseball especially after not seeing it for a while hey one last okay, question but wouldn't they, wouldn't they rather see their home team their their blue jays yes exactly and they're not going to see them in toronto for at least the first half of the season well with buffalo right no because, they're going to yeah, play in dunedin yeah yeah, yeah. they're actually, yeah. They're actually how's that situation is that situation going okay they're actually going to play in buffalo uh, not in buffalo in dunedin they're going to play their home games in dunedin for the first until until it's not freezing cold in buffalo probably like i think they're saying what maybe may or so they'll they'll may yeah. or june they'll move to buffalo and then the hopes that they'll open up the border at some point in july or august and they'll be able to move to toronto so yeah it kind of sucks they're the only team that's not going to okay. have a home game this year it's too bad yeah toronto deserves a, a couple home games yeah hey w- one last thing being a bc guy why do you think major league baseball has never come to bc and do you think it ever will no. Really? How come? No, I don't think it ever will because it's stuck in its ways. We have our 30 teams. It's stuck in its ways, except for rule changing. I don't think we're – I don't know how many ex- – if you're going to expand, it's not going to go to Vancouver. It's going to go to um, – um, Someplace in the I States. Think of it right now. Oh, in Montreal? Um, thank you, Montreal. Yeah. If it's going to expand, it's going to go to Montreal, yeah. not, not D.C., unfortunately. Um, I think there's a whole geographical thing where you're going to have to get with the Mariners if you bring a team to BC about fans and all sorts of stuff, radio, TV network, everything. Um, do I think Vancouver could have a team? Probably not. Wow. Unless they are, unless they're competitive or playoff bound year after year after year. I just don't think it's a big enough market for a team that's expanding and can't show the goods immediately. All right. Uh, Montreal, I think Montreal saw what it lost because because in in the uh, the era where they called it quits, that was a playoff, if not a World Series bound team. Yeah. Right. I think Montreal realizes what it lost, so I think it would welcome it back and not lose it again. Whereas if you go over to, and I'm assuming West Coast, BC, we're talking about Vancouver. Well, yeah. Right. 
obviously. So I don't think Vancouver has ever had a taste of what it would be like. And unless you give it a playoff bound team immediately, mm. it's Canucks. That's it. Yeah. Michael. It's Canucks that it. Because if, if you lose, they're going to not show any interest whatsoever, in my opinion. So I don't think you could franchise a team out there and, and be successful unless every year they're competitive. Listen, this was awesome. We really appreciate taking the time. Uh, our insiders here all want to say thank you as well. So stay healthy, stay well, uh, enjoy your family time and whatever else it is you're doing, and, and uh, we will one day see if you can outcook Travis Snyder. Cook off. Let's go, bro. <laughs> <laughs> there is Michael Saunders. What a great opportunity it was, again, for our out-of-the-park insiders to join in and ask questions once again. They come up with the good questions, Tom. They do indeed. Every time <laughs> they pick up the slack for us. Yeah, our, yes. Our, our game has to rise immensely to keep mm-hmm. up with them. Big time. Big time. So a programming note for you on next week's program. We are going to stick with the Canadian theme, Tom, but we're going to go back in time. A guy that played for the Blue Jays and the Phillies, just like Michael Saunders did. Mm-hmm. He also played for the Expos and he played for Team Canada. And uh, a really interesting guy who will be making his first appearance here on Out of the Park. Rob Ducey will join us. And we've already recorded that uh, with Zoom when we had, uh, we had what, two, three of our OTP members? Yeah, uh, yeah. three members. Join us. We had yeah. three of them. So that was, yeah, that was really cool. And uh, a lot of fun. Again, Tom, how do they become an OTP insider and gain access to these great Zooms? Patreon.com slash Out of the Park. $3 a month, $5 oh. a month. It's the best deal in sports media in Canada. It's a lot cheaper than what yes. Rogers would charge you. Well, exactly. <laughs> or you I mean you could you could hire, uh, you know, a play-by-play guy to do a greeting for you for thirty bucks or forty bucks, or you can join in on a Zoom and chat to these players yourself. I saw for three or five bucks. Bingo! I saw Buck Martinez is doing them for sixty bucks a greeting. We interviewed yeah. him in October. We'll get yeah. him. We'll get him again at some point this year. Free. So. Well, for three bucks, yes. There you go, three bucks. All right, Thomas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We want to thank Michael Saunders. We want to thank uh, all of our OTP insiders for joining us on the Zoom. Uh, Tom, I, I do want to tell you, uh, you have a lot in common with Jose Bautista. Um, as, of course, we heard Michael Saunders talk all about him. And uh, the thing that you have most in common with him is uh, you've got a really bad reputation around the game. Sorry to say. I'm just happy to have You're a already- reputation. You mean people are talking about me? Come back. (laughs) Tom, have a great week. And to all of you, thank you so much for making us a part of your week. You've been listening to Out of the Park with Barry Davis. Thanks for joining us. Get home safely and see you next time.